Welcome in to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. I am excited for today's show, folks. Above my normal level of excited. We'll put it that way. Uh, we have an old friend on the show. A friend who has done so much for this program ever since we first started in 2006. And I don't want to give this a level of familiarity. I actually want to give this uh, the respect and the gravitas that it deserves. This man is a man who has come to the rescue of many people in the field of the paranormal. In fact, he's the guy you call when you're in deep you-know-what. This is the man who has helped many people in the paranormal when they are in over their head. John Zaffis has over 43 years of experience studying and investigating the paranormal. He has had the opportunity to work for and with his aunt and uncle. Uh, you know them as well, Ed and Lorraine Warren. This sent John looking beyond for ghosts and hauntings and into studying demonology under the Warrens and led John into involvement with cases of possession and exorcism, which has given him the opportunity to work with prominent exorcists in his field, including Roman Catholic priests, monks, Buddhists, rabbis, and ministers. John has assisted and worked with well-known exorcists, Bishop Robert McKenna, Father Malachi Martin, and the Reverend June. Uh, his research has taken him throughout the United States, Canada, England, and Scotland, covering several thousands of cases. He has had a long and storied career. You've seen him on sci-fi television series Haunted Collector, Discovery Channel documentaries Haunting in Connecticut, and Little Lost Souls. You've seen him on TV shows such as Ghost Hunters and, and seen him all over the world, everywhere. I, I don't think you could, you could see John Zaffis and not know who the man is, to be honest with you. And he has many, many books out there, one of which we're going to talk about today. It's a brand new book, Walking Between the Realms, written with Reverend Larry and Debbie Elward. And we're going to bring him into the program now, ladies and gentlemen. Let's welcome him to Darkness Radio, John Zaffis. Hi, John. Hey, buddy. How you doing? So well, so well, and so good to have you on the program. Uh, and and I got to tell you, every time I see you on the road, you're one of my favorite people to see. So I'm so glad to see you here on the show. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, it, just because I have embarrassing pictures of you on every one of my mobility devices means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It's just my own thing to make me smile. So there you go. <laughs> um, I got to tell you, John, again, I, I, I say this with, and even though I joke around, I say this with all the, the gravitas it deserves. Uh, you are, uh, I think, one of the most prominent, if not the prominent person in the paranormal right now. And I... I wonder if you realize the weight that carries. Do you realize, first of all, this is the first question I want to ask. Do you realize the weight or think about the weight you carry in the field? No, I beg because I don't uh, ever look at anything from that type of a perspective. I, ne I just never really have. Anytime you see me at the conventions, I run all over the place. I'm talking to everybody. I mean, intermingling. I'm just as excited as you are or anybody else is to see somebody new at a convention that we might see on TV or, you know, uh, got involved with something. So mm -hmm. I, I just don't really look at myself from that perspective. I'm just Johnny. <laughs> well, I, I hear you. I hear you at that. And it, it's good to remain humble. And it's it's the right, I, I guess, the right thing to do in your field to remain humble. I think the minute you lose your head is probably the minute you get in trouble, right? Big time. Yeah. You know, I think we've uh, seen that with uh, a lot of folks, no, uh, no matter what field it is or uh, what people get involved with. Once 
you start putting yourself up on that higher level. People start to notice that, and it affects you and affects everything about you, I think. If I could, we were just out at Michigan Paracon this past week. And by the way, big ups to Brad Blair and Tim Ellis for putting on a spectacular program. Big kudos to them. The weather tried to screw us up. I know that much. Uh, it really tried to get in the way. But besides that, with all that that was thrown at them, they put on an excellent program yet again this year. Um, you and Chip Coffee, along with uh, Aaron Saggers, put on yes. a, a wonderful program having to do with uh, the history of Ed and Lorraine Warren and, yes. and the Warrens. For those who, and, and there were a lot of people who weren't able to get out and, and see the program. Uh, can you tell people what exactly went into the program and, and, and why was that done this year at this particular Paracon? Okay. We've been trying, Chip really wanted to do that for the past uh, three years since Lorraine had passed away. And each year we go to do it, something else comes up or, you know, it wasn't just lining up right. Mm -hmm. And this year it pulled together because Chip and I were talking earlier on and he goes, I still would like to do that. And I said, well, let, let's talk to Tim and uh, Brancy and the guys to see if they, they want to do it. I mean, you know, it's not something that would ever go out of style or anything as far as doing a uh, tribute to those two. So we, he got it together and got it lined up, uh, talked to Aaron, and Aaron was, like, thrilled to death to be able to do it. Yeah. And um, it was very random. And uh, Chip talked about all his experiences with filming with Lorraine and, you know, getting to know her, going out to eat with her and uh, things of that nature and everything. So uh, that with me just adding my tidbits of being around them for all the years I was around them. The combination came up pretty good and it pulled together very, very good because uh, Aaron kept saying, geez, we got a whole hour to fill. And I jokingly had said to him, I go, don't worry about that. I said, between the both of us with stories, I said, we could definitely fill uh, the time in with no problem. When we walked off, Aaron looked. He goes, that went by way too quick. He goes, I didn't even have a chance to ask half the questions I wanted to ask. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it, uh, it worked out good. It worked out very, very good. I, I got to think, you know, as someone who not only works with, but grows up with both Ed and Lorraine, your experiences compared to Chip's experiences have to be night and day. What was the most glaring difference between your experiences and his experiences with Lorraine? Well, because he, he was with Lorraine, you know, by himself. You know, they, uh, they were intermingling, mm -hmm. filming and working on, uh, Par Paranormal State, I yes. believe, was yep. yeah. Yep. Par okay, Par I wanted to. There's so many shows, Tim. I no, I know. <laughs> I yeah. with them. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, and they really had that opportunity to get to know each other and work with each other on a one-on-one. -on -one, where 90 percent of the time, when it was when I was involved with them, it was usually Ed and Lorraine mm -hmm. that were you know I was intermingling with and going back and forth when we'd be working on stuff. Yeah. So the circumstances in the environment, you know, was uh, totally different. So, but, um, you know, the, the running thing was and everything. He goes, you know, he said, I had heard you say over the course of the years, you know, when Ed got mad, you knew it. When Lorraine got mad, you knew it. And he said, to, he goes, I had that opportunity to see her 
get a little ruffled. And he goes, that was enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. So true. Um, you know, I, I do have to ask you this too. What, what was that piece of information, that one piece of information, maybe from both that you gleaned from both that, that to this day sticks with you, even today when you go into an investigation, that's that key bit of advice that you pull out the moment you walk into something. When doing investigations or anything is to keep that open mind mm -hmm. and to, you know, really dig in, try to find out what's happening, what could be the sources. Is it something supernatural or is it something natural? Again, that, that, that is something to this day I still use in my environment. And when evaluating something and trying to figure out something, and that basically came from them. Because I never really, I, I will never jump quick and fast to evaluate a, a case until you, you know, you get all the information, you try to figure things out, talk to other people and stuff like that. To me, that, that was a very key thing because I see today a lot of times when people jump in right away, oh, it's, it, there's demons, there's demons. You, it's very hard to come to conclusions like that with being in a house within, you know, a few minutes. I mean, I was got the furniture flying around and... You know, you really got yeah. some major, major type stuff going on. Then, okay, we look at that differently. Right. But that's far and few in between that that happens. Right. I, I noticed, too, throughout watching Haunted Collector, the, the first thing when you come into a room really is your calm, collected presence. You seem to be a, a centering presence. It It's not something where you even come in and, and are are stirring things up really with questions. It seems like the first thing you do is you come in and you try to make sure that the client is centered. Is that, is that seem fair? Is that something that you're trying to do right away? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I, even with the TV show and everything like that, it was still the fa uh, fact of wanting to know the environment, wanting to know the people, wanting to know everything that was going on, why it was happening, what the concerns were, what were they looking for? You know, th these are all things regardless. And I had, when we started filming, I brought that with me. And again, too, I, it's funny you're even asking that because that would get brought up many times when um, a lot of the different uh, executives or things were viewing, you know, the episodes. And they said, we love John's approach. Nobody else has that type of, you know, demeanor or way of, entering in to go investigate mm -hmm. and you know everybody I, I you know everybody from the production would say but that's john that's the way he is yeah so again it worked out to my benefit to just be john and not part of it well it's one thing that i guess if you watch now or if you're watching the different shows now it seems like there is a I don't want to say there's a lack of control because no one's walking in going, you know, and, and stirring things up when they go into an investigation. But it it doesn't seem like there is a firm hand other than Jason Hawes. I'll give him I'll, uh, Jason is the only other investigator I see that comes in and there's a firm hand on the investigation. Um, but the rest seem like. What's a good way to put this, John? I don't want to offend anybody because it's, this isn't meant as an offensive remark, but it just seems like they're just launching into it. We're just getting into it. Let's get into the case. Let's go. And it seems like it's a TV thing. It's a pacing thing. You know, 
it's a, it's a TV thing now, Tim. Yeah. Uh, again, they want that excitement. They want everything up front. They want it going one, two, three, quick. So again, yes. And you know, to our advantage, you know, J- uh, Jason and myself, you know, we actually, we if you stop and think about it, we got a little bit of that same type of a demeanor mm-hmm. when you know get getting into investigate and going into looking at things and trying to figure out exactly what is happening. So again, yeah, I can understand what you're saying because sometimes when I'm watching the shows too, it's like, whoa, what happened? Everybody already kicked in. You know, they're already boom, boom, boom. Everything's already happening and everything. So uh, the ways of, uh, I think that with the TV shows and, you know, you look back at them six years going even back, the structure of it, compared to what we see today is a lot different. Most definitely. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a different world out there, that's for sure. Uh, just a little. <laughs> <laughs> just a little. Well, let me ask you this, and then we'll move on to actual investigations of yours. Is there a, is there a show that's out there right now that's, that's either streaming or on television that's caught your eye? Mm, I don't, not anything in particular, Tim. Okay. You know, I, I watch, you know, I watch a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I deal so much with the paranormal. I don't necessarily watch paranormal, you know, TV shows. I just don't. I like, you know, mysteries. I like, you know, yep. uh, a history. About, believe it or not, and to be honest with you, I think the one thing that I'll watch more than anything, and it's not really part of our genre, is Josh Gates. I love Josh yes, Gates. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anything that guy does is so good and so well done that I could just sit and watch his shows. It's just, you know, uh, the way he does them and everything. So Yeah. I, and every I, once I, in a while, too, he'll do something, and I'll send him a quick text, and I'll go, oh, man, I wish you I was there with you. Yeah, or uh, <laughs> post something and just say, I wish I was there on that one, but. Although he gets into some situations, I don't think I'd want to be there with him. I, it, no, no. no, uh, no. Some of the things he does, no, no, no way. No. Some of the stuff he eats, no way. Yeah, did, yeah, no, 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 no. I'll leave some of that stuff off the menu. Um, I believe it. Yeah, hey, trust me. I, I, I'd be the same way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think you're right. And you know, there's, I do get quite a few listeners who ask me, well. You know, oh, Tim, have you seen this show? Have you seen this show? Have you seen this show? There's sometimes I don't want to take work home with me. I know I'm required to view a lot of it, but there's some of it that I don't want to sit back and watch just for pleasure. Um, And there are some shows that I I do tend to leave off the menu. I've tried them and I think, yeah, it's not my cup of tea and I'll leave them off the menu on purpose. And Mm -hmm. I won't force myself to watch them any further. I won't name those shows on the air today, though. I will, I'll put one other show on the menu and you can tell me if we should drop this subject right away or if we should continue talking about it for a moment. Um, there was a show out there on the uh, summer menu on uh, travel. It was the, uh, the Legion of Exorcists. And, oh, okay. yeah. and uh, there was one name that was glaringly absent and that was yours on that, on that show. I think there were a lot of fans that wish they would have seen you on that show. Uh, did that, many that I have heard from many, 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 many people asking me since I, you know, I'm involved with that type of uh, thing and what I'm involved with uh, doing with the demonology and getting involved with the, you know, the exorcism, things like that. Mm-hmm. Why I wasn't on that uh, show. Uh, again, a lot of different shows I 
and most people realize that, especially you know, at the conventions and everything. They go, oh, we get so disappointed and never see you on any of the shows. I said, trust me, I get asked to do all of them. <laughs> I said, I just, you know, again, um, pick and choose what you like to do. Uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's just me. It, it, right. That's just me. Okay. So, I don't know how far I would want to go as far as doing a show as far as exorcism or demonology goes. Okay. Because as, as you know, I always keep that more to the sidelines with the work that I get involved with it and everything. So right. again, but other people are, you know, more interested in bringing it out into the forefront, but I still would like to keep it and operate the way that I do and on the way I handle a lot of the things at this point in time. Now, let me dovetail it to this question because I, it, it's it's fair to say, John. You know, we've we've known a lot of people who have gone full tilt into investigating and gone full tilt into demonology, and it's fair to say that with going into the darker area of investigating, it takes a lot out of a person. Yes, uh, and uh, uh, rest in peace, Father Andy Calder. Uh, he. He uh, he gave a lot of his soul, a lot of his time into battling evil. Yeah, um, and uh, had diabetes. He, he in in and unfortunately, uh, he passed at a young age. Um, but really, too young. yeah, too young, and fought a very good fight. And there are a lot of uh, exorcists who pass at a young age. They give a lot of their souls to fight evil. I guess I would ask you, John, is it is it something where you do trade life force for fighting the good fight? Is it something where you do eventually have to say to yourself, you know what, there comes a time where I have to decide, do I go into maybe helping people on an investigative front and help them, but not necessarily go that far? You know what I'm saying? Tim, I like that question. Um, and the basic way and the only way I could think to answer something like that is like I was told in my 20s when I got involved with this. Once you cross that line, you get involved with this, you can never walk away from it. It will always seek you out. It will always look for you, whether you're directly involved or indirectly involved. Now, um, has there been times where I've pulled back or said, hey, I just don't want to even do this anymore. Yes, there's been many, many times with that. And you get pulled right back into it. Okay. And it's always over the simple fact that I could hear from a clergy friend of mine or somebody will reach out to me that's in the field and they'll go, Johnny, I need help. You know, and you get pulled right back into it. So, again, do I think that it takes its toll uh, – quite significantly on our individuals that do the exorcisms, yes. I think each time they do one, and you often hear that from them, a piece of them goes with that exorcism each time that they do it. I think with uh, the demonology end of this field, I think it takes its wear and tear on you also and wreaks havoc you know, within your personal life or in uh, several different areas that can be affected. But again, like I said, I learned that from an early 
time on from being around a lot of those individuals that were in it, you know, for years. Mm -hmm. And I always said, you know, no matter what you do, you'll never be able to walk away from it. And it's the truth. Once you get involved with it, it's so hard and so difficult to just walk away. It really is. Because there's always something that's going to occur, something that's going to happen that can get you back involved with something, directly or indirectly. Okay. So, yeah. That brings up my next question. Uh, you yourself have a museum of haunted objects. Yes. Okay, as did Lorraine. And Ed and Lorraine did, both had that, that museum of haunted objects. Mm -hmm. It takes an incredible amount of blessing, energy, to, to keep that at bay. A am I correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Does it maintain or do you need to maintain that same level of energy that you would in order to fight evil to keep it at bay? I, yes, I would say yes. Okay. Um, I think it's a lot. To, oh, all right. Here's a good example. Even though all of us were just recently in Michigan, yeah. Brian Cano came over with a little group of people today. Okay. And uh, uh, a group that he was working with. Mm -hmm. And they were just thrilled to death. It was only, you know, five people that wanted to go through the museum and everything. But Tim, here again, too, prior to all that, you know, I went through, did everything that I needed to do, the prayers and, you know, sprinkling of the water and doing things. Because, again, I don't have the museum opened up where people just come in and out of yes. it. It's not open to the public. Right, right. Uh, the majority of the people that do come or, you know, uh, are you know, stop into it or anything is usually something like with Brian Cano saying, come on, oh man, just let me bring a few of my friends over and I'll be like, all right, shut up, just come over. <laughs> so, you know, again, uh, with that, that's a continuous type thing uh, that that is done whether there's any interreaction or not. What I mean by that is the simple fact that the museum is below me, my office and a lot of storage is up here on the second level in the barn. Mm -hmm. But um, again, uh, continuously, from a spiritual level, things always have to be being continuously maintained. I kind of, uh, I kind of draw the parallel between your museum and the Warrens Museum to like the trophies that Batman kept down in the Batcave. You know, of the different villains. Sure, you've got the villain's weaponry, but it stays in your bat cave. And yeah, it's not meant to be displayed necessarily. It's not meant to be unleashed on the world uh, because therefore then the weapons of evil are out there, um, you know, for anybody to, to use or get a hold of or be influenced by. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm going to draw a dangerous parallel. And you tell me if I'm going too far by this. I don't know. Have you ever been to Zach Bagan's museum in Las Vegas? I, I would go. Okay. You know, uh, we were out in uh, Las Vegas last year, and we were trying to arrange everything, pull it together. Uh, several people at the convention, you know, were good friends with Zach. They told yeah. Zach that Johnny wanted to come out. He says, by all means, we we're going to go. It just didn't work out. Okay. It just didn't happen. I mean, I hear a lot of people talk. You know, in regards to a lot of the items and the things he has in there. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to see it like anybody else, but yeah, it yeah. just doesn't have, hasn't happened as of yet. I would love to get your perspective as somebody who's in the field, who's been face to face with it, to see what your feeling is 
when you walk in. Now, well, you know, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, even if he had a museum filled with just plain props mm-hmm. when he first opened it up and everything, is that damn place going to be haunted now? Yes. From the amount of people, yeah. you got that go in and out of there. Yeah. The energies that could be brought in, you don't know a lot of times what people are going to do with different things of that nature. So, again, without even being in there, I, I would automatically say, if anything is haunted, that place is. I was there four years ago, John. I tell you, the the best way to describe it, uh, when I walked in, my entire body vibrated. And I've yeah. never had that. I haven't had that feeling at Waverly Hills. I haven't had that feeling in any haunted spot ever. But that place had such a resonant feeling. And I won't give it, I won't label it. Just I've never had that much of a haunting resonate in me. There's yeah. that much spiritual energy there. And it didn't feel good. Well, that that's not going to surprise me. I mean, you know, it's a known fact. He's got a lot of uh, different items in there that he just collects, you know, yeah. that came from very, very dark situations. Yeah. So you get that collective of energy together, you're going to have that, you know, uh, regardless of anything. So, again, n- none of that surprises me, and I don't have to walk in there to, to – basically be able to say something like that. Yeah. But I haven't met too many people that haven't had some type of feeling or experience or something, you know, just walking through that museum. Right. Not saying that people shouldn't go. I mean, I, I recommend, I highly recommend it to people who, who want to see it because it's, it's, it has got some impressive stuff in there. There's some impressive stuff. Well, it's the number one attraction in uh, Las Vegas, dude. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And there's there's a reason for it. It is it is impressive. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, when we come back, we'll take our break here, John. When we come back, I want to jump into the book here, Walking Between the Realms, and I want to talk a little bit about your relationship with uh, Reverend Larry and Debbie Elward. I want to talk a little bit about the dynamic between you, uh, how you first met, and oh, great. How, okay. it, how, it, uh, how it works, and, and how the investigative trio works, and maybe even a, a few of the different cases that you've been on. Uh, we'll talk about that. The book is out right now. It's called Walking Between the Realms. It's uh, written by our guest, John Zaffis, and Reverend Larry and Debbie Elward. When we come back, more about Walking Between the Realms with our guest, John Zaffis. We have a link right now in the description of this program. Get a copy of it while you can. When we come back, more with John Zaffis here on The Best in Paranormal Programming. This is Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the Best in Paranormal Programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Our guest is John Zaffis. The book is Walking Between the Realms, written by John Zaffis. And the two other authors, co-authors, and team members of John's, Reverend Larry and Debbie Elward. And John, we teased before the break that we were going to talk about those two members of your team, uh, Reverend Larry and Debbie Elward. Uh, I'm curious. I know it's in the book, but I'm going to refer to you, my friend. Uh, That's okay. How did you meet Reverend Larry and Debbie? 
Okay, Larry and I go back to when we were teenagers. Okay. Uh, we, again, my aunt and uncle used to have classes and these little meeting things uh, up at their house in their basement. And, you know, again, uh, back at that time framing, uh, I had met Larry at one of the meetings. And, um, you know, we would talk. We would go back and forth. We got to be friends. And we had remained friends for all of these years. Now, Debbie and her sister used to belong to Ed and Lorraine's group. And um, that's how I got to meet Debbie. Um, Debbie and Larry ended up meeting each other. They ended up getting married. And um, again, um, you know, hanging loose. But the funny part about it is, and we laugh and laugh and laugh, for so many years, Larry and I never made the connection with Elward, the last name. Okay. We were, we're, we were sitting in the kitchen doing something. And one of my sister-in-law goes, you know, what's the possibility of uh, Larry Elward being related uh, to, grand you know, our grandfather on the other side of the family, my wife's side of the family? And I looked at her and I went, you know what? I never even thought about it. I never even gave it a thought. I said, and I've never mentioned any of it to Larry. So anyways, I'm on the phone. We're talking. We're going back and forth. And I said, Deb, I said, ask Larry where his family's from, the Elward side. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Maine. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I started asking him a few more questions. And, you know, then I go, well, Cheryl's grandfather was Piercy Elward. And he goes, yeah, that was my uncle. Oh, look and at that. I went, Larry, do you realize <laughs> that we are all actually family connected? And he goes, but that's so strange. All these years when the families would go back and forth, they, he goes, I never made the connections with Cheryl and everything. I said, well, we're definitely all, you know, and then Debbie got real quiet and she goes, this is even worse. And I go, what? She says, I have to deal with you as a friend. Now we're freaking family. <laughs> so you guys never ran into each other at one family dinner? There wasn't too many of them down here. Okay. Okay. Most of the family was all up in Maine. Oh, all right. Up, you know, all the elders. Okay. And, um... Cheryl's uh, grandmother and grandfather had died years ago. Oh, okay. So there was, there really wasn't a situations where the families lined up and everybody had actually met or anything like ah, that. Okay. So the, it wasn't like there was a big family reunion or, no. or family Christmases or anything like that? No, no. Okay. No. Well, then it's forgivable. <laughs> I was going to say, otherwise, Larry and Debbie owe you a lot of Christmas gifts. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know. You need to start. No, it's it's good because again too, it's you know um, three friendships that are just they're cemented no matter what happens. Yeah, yeah. You know, we argue, we fight, nothing big. Two seconds later, we're talking. And again, the three of us have always supported and had each other's backs. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's just always been that way. And again, you know, we'll, uh, the three of us will go out that way. No, it's almost yeah. the same thing like uh, with Father Calder. Mm -hmm. Him and I were thicker than thieves. Nobody could ever split. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Yeah. You have certain friendships yeah. that, you know, once they're established, they're there no matter what happens. And, yeah. you know, you stay there right to the end. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, boy, you just mentioned two people I really miss so much. You have no idea there, John. You, you and me both, buddy. I miss. Yeah. They, it's, it's not like the old times with a lot of people now where... 
you know, some of these people would get on the phone and be on the phone just chit-chatting, going about different things. And yeah. then you could go two, three months without talking, but yep. be right back on the phone like nothing ever happened. You know, it was, That's you right. picked up right where you left off. You don't have that today, Tim. It's not no. there anymore. No, you're right. You're right. It's or, or it gets harder and harder to establish. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. to, to find friends like that. That's for sure. Uh, with yeah. with that kind of relationship with 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 Larry and Debbie is it is it tougher sometimes to go into some of the tougher cases knowing that you have uh that you have that much skin in the game or is it easier is it easier because you have that kind of rapport is it is it kind of like a finely tuned basketball team where you can pass between one and the other and and kind of do the no look and know what the other one or the other is doing is it a finely tuned machine finely tuned machine yeah um, we don't usually question each other. There isn't a reason to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Debbie goes in. She opens up to see what she can pick up. Uh, Larry, as far as psychic abilities or anything goes, he flatlines. So, I mean, he has to pick up on anything. Mm-hmm. And me, I'm the one in there. I'll be talking to the people, get into the history, trying to figure out who, where, what, when, and how. So, and then taking the combination and putting all that together is what makes that whole machine work. Okay. And it's what, you know, makes it flow. And it always works out good. It works out fantastic. I find it interesting that the the more things change, the more they stay the same. Really, Debbie is, is kind of filled into that psychic role nicely, whereas, you know, Ed and Lorraine kind of had the investigator psychic connection. Now you've got Debbie in, and you're doing the, you know, you're doing the, investigator psychic connection yet you also have larry there when if things do tend to get rough spiritually i I find that fascinating it really that's that's something that a lot of investigative teams try to establish but don't have well i don't i you know again today a lot of the groups don't move forward as far as a spiritual perspective with having a foundation you know, that they operate that way. Mm-hmm. The three of us are so old world that, you know, it's just, it's just the nature of it with us. Where today, a lot of the groups don't like to get into the perspective of the spirituality of it. They want to go in and try and look for something scientifically as they, you know, think they're finding it, but they're just finding evidence. That's about it. Yeah. It's not really scientific. <laughs> but again, it's a different world today from when all of us got involved with it. When I got involved with it, we all had each other's backs. Mm-hmm. You know, even with the other researchers, it was a different time. It was a different world back then. Yeah. So again, you know, you got involved with somebody, you were working with somebody, you knew them before you were getting involved. Right, right. So again, it, it was a... Uh, totally different environment from what we see and what we get involved with today. Is it a mistake of sorts for us not to be tackling a spiritual problem with spirituality? I mean, we, we, we throw a REM pod at something or we'll throw a, you know, a laser grid at something, or we'll, we might even throw a, a Frank's box or a shack hack at something, but are we, are we trying to tackle it too much with technology and not enough with spirituality? Um, it's always difficult because I'm very much for everything being done as far as the technical end. We have to do this. It's, I think it's important to get all that data 
mm-hmm. you know, collecting it. Hopefully someday we could chart it and we could get the repeatability. It's not there yet. Yeah. But um, it, looking at it from my perspective, I mean, I, I'm that's the way I operate, you know, from a, a spiritual perspective more than anything else, because that's what our field's based off of spirituality. Mm hmm. Not religion per se, but spirituality. Right. right. There's a difference. And and I'm There I'm, is a difference, but people don't understand that. Today. I'm I'm tiptoeing that line. Notice I haven't said yeah. anything about you know, Catholicism again, or anything like that. You, yeah. you just try to respect it and uh, deal with what uh, is brought to the table because you and I both know re- organized religions are, are deteriorating. Yes. You know, right across the board. It doesn't matter what faith it is. So again, you know, that common denominator with looking at the way people look at things, comprehend things, you know, you try to keep an open mind with that mm-hmm. because that that's our world today. You know, I'm, I'm the farthest thing from a Bible thumper and just yeah. about anybody and anybody that knows me will tell you that. So, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I am a spiritual individual. I do follow my belief systems, my structure, and that's being Roman Catholic and that's what I follow. Mm-hmm. So, is the deterioration of organized religion keeping you in business? Are you finding that it's making business better than ever? No, I, I don't see that much of a difference, to be honest with you. Really? I, I don't, okay. because it's always been there. Okay. I've, I've always, always dealt with this, where, you know, people will talk about they don't, you know, go to synagogue, they don't go to church, they don't practice they don't get involved with anything but yet they still they believe in god and they believe you know in the uh the basics of certain things thus that still gives you something to work with okay you know again is it an ideal situation no but um again it's i've always worked with it that way so it's i don't find that big of a difference I've always, I've always ached to ask you this question, and that's this. And I ask it a lot. No, of, ask, ask. I, I've asked I don't this. I want to hear you. You know me. I'll tell you. I'm not telling you. <laughs> I've always asked this of other of other spiritual people I've had on the show, and I've gotten different answers. So I want to know what yours is, John. And that's this. It's so easy for people to want to see or or go head on with evil and think it's sexy. But why is it so hard for people to believe in God? Wow. All right. Ask that again. Okay. It's it's so easy for people to embrace evil and see it as sexy. And it's it's so easy for people to see the demonic side of things. But why is it so hard for people to believe in God? I think it's the fact that if you really look at it, do you know what I hear from a lot of people a lot of time? What's that? If there's a God, if there's a God out there, why do the things happen that happen on the earth? Why is there wars? Why do people kill each other? Why does why is there cancer? Why is there this? Why is that? And when they embrace and look at anything from a negative perspective, it's more accepted because the negative part of all that is accepted a lot more easily than it would be on a positive level. 
if that makes any sense to you. But again, when I look at it, I've seen people do this continuously mm-hmm. and embrace it, you know, on a negative level, one way in comparison to looking at it as why, if we have this, why, why does our God let us all this happen to people? See, I see so, that. I see that question as a lazy question. Why does God let that happen to people? I see it as a lazy question. I see it as I don't want to accept challenges. Because as you know, as being Roman Catholic, you know that only through only through uh, strife, only through challenges, can your soul grow. So if I don't, let's say, let's take little old Timmy here, for example. If Timmy doesn't have heart problems or doesn't have a shark foot, Timmy never learns how to get over the hump and get to the next problem or learn how to eat properly or learn how to take care of his body or learn how to do other things. Mm -hmm. If I never encounter a difficult personality, I never learn how to overcome that difficult personality and maybe learn how to deal with a person similar to that down the road. Um, There's different reasons for that. And And if you don't accept challenges, then you never learn how to overcome that challenge. Well, I agree. I agree. I agree uh, on the fact of it. But the, the way I differential as far as uh, certain things go, I think we have a choice and we make those choices. Yes. You have so free thus, yeah. regardless of a lot of circumstances and a lot of different things, you know, it's our free will. If we choose yes. to get involved with something or do something and, you know, then we have to pay the consequences. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the things occurring and happening in the world, you know, looking at, I, I again, I'm an engineer by trade, so I look at a lot of things scientifically. Mm-hmm. I believe in global warming. I believe a lot of that is causing different things to occur, different things to happen. But, you know, on the flip end of it, you, some people, you know, they go, no, that that's not happening. You know, this past February, I live in Connecticut. Several of us had to go out and cut our grass. Who does that in February in New England? You yeah. don't usually have to cut your grass. Yeah. Okay. It so happen. something's yeah. happening out there that, you know, is again, uh, uh, just bizarre and crazy that this, the, the things that are occurring and happening from, you know, global warming that is affecting a lot of things and, Again, you know, it's the nature of it. Yeah, and it's consequence of free will. We we have free will to do what we wish to do. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a gift. That's a gift of God. God gave yeah. you free will. Gave you free will to do I what mean, you d- wish. You know, d- don't get me wrong either. I'm not a very, you know, uh, I would say hardcore uh, religious person whatsoever. No, no. <laughs> so and, 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 again, you know. Uh, um, with a lot of uh, different things, I take with a grain of salt, I'm sure, like a lot of other people with, um, you know, the way any structured type religions might believe in certain things, I mm-hmm. don't necessarily go along with that. Yeah, I, and I tend to be a very spiritual person, too. I'm not going to hit you with any dogma. I'm not going to hit you with a head with it. But, uh, you know, at, at the same time, I, you know, I... I I've had a lot of things happen to me in my life that I can't, I can't deny a miracle when it happens right in front of me. I just can't. 
I can't do it anymore. I used to try, John. I just can't. There's too much that's happened, you know? Yeah. That's just the way it is. Um, yeah. Speaking of, uh, I do have to ask you this question, because I know you've been uh, with uh, Reverend Larry and Debbie for quite a while in the middle of an investigation. Can you tell me, I, I know a lot of people will say, well, can you tell me the worst thing that's ever happened to you on an investigation? I want to ask you, John, what's the most miraculous thing that's ever happened to the three of you on an investigation? When uh, divine intervention had taken place. Yeah. And interesting perspectives would take place. Uh, working on a case and, you know, giving them information. No deliverance had to be done. No exorcisms. No major prayers or anything, but there are circumstances where it was hardcore stuff going on. We went in our investigations and everything, gave them recommendations, and 10 things would just do it 360. And again, uh, can I attribute some of that to the way people think, the way people handle things? Good possibility. Possibilities are endless. Mm -hmm. So, but I always look at it as that they're was that divine intervention of something that transpired that made a wake-up call, so to speak, take place in those types of situations. They're, they're far and few in between, but they do happen. Yeah. They do happen. I know in the book you've, uh, you've mentioned, and it's been mentioned in the book, and I've heard you say it before uh, when you've spoke at different places, that, that, that your uncle has come through in, in oh, yeah. especially in, in like a shack hack situation or a, a spirit box situation. Is he active with you on different investigations or, or can you call on him if you need to? Jimmy, I never call on him. Okay. I never ask him to come forth. I never ask. Well, actually I never ask, you know, any, uh, anybody I know that's deceased to ever come forth. Okay. I have not, you know, very, well, you know, you know what? I shouldn't say it like that because every once in a while, you know, I'll be joking around or something and I'll say, Ed, you're around. I don't hear you tonight. You know, just <laughs> in a situation like that. Yeah, but yeah. There are just times where, you know, they'll come through and just start giving so much information. But what's interesting about it is the amount of people that have witnessed it and the people that have experienced it. That's what I pay more attention to than anything else. Because they're the witness to it. Okay. And people will often say to me at the end of something, they'll go, but John, you're arguing with your telephone. I go, no, I'm not. It's them. And they're here. And, you know, and we'll be arguing back and forth. And it's just amazing the way that it happens and the way it goes. I, it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens quite often. And people witness it and people see it. And like I said, they'll come up to me afterwards and they go, if I didn't know their voices, I would never believe that was them. I go, no, it's them. They're still hanging around. I said, you know, they're, bi they're, they're bigger in death now than they were in life. And <laughs> they just want to make sure everybody still knows they're around. Is it just Ed and Lorraine, or have you heard from any of our other colleagues? Very seldomly. Um, I've never heard from Rosemary. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of mutual friends have. Really, Andy, I would would say a couple of times he came through. Really, you know, and had communicated. Okay, but um, um, 
And there's a couple of uh, priests that I had worked with over the years. Once in a while, they'll come through, and I know it's them because wow. they'll make the make their uh, presence very well known. That is awesome. Very awesome. Uh, there's chapters in the book here, or there's a chapter in the book where it's got different uh, different haunt. Oh, you know what? I want to talk about haunted workplaces here for a second, and I want to talk about some of the different haunted workplaces that you've been into. I did a little uh, one season, one since uh, one season of a little show called uh, Paranormal Night Shift. Uh, you might have seen it. You might not have. Chances are you probably didn't. Um, <laughs> it was on Travel Channel. Um, but uh, one of the things about Paranormal Night Shift is it had a lot to do with people uh, at their at their workplace at night. Uh, had a lot to do with it. There was, there was a little bit of hospital work there, but it had a lot to do with like a person at a radio station, person uh, doing janitorial work. Uh, yeah. and they're getting, you know, caught at their, their different places of employment. They turn around, they see something and all of a sudden, boom, there's something on top of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is it? And, and I know hospitals are huge and I get that because there's, there's a lot of transition to the other side by different patients. And I can see where there would even be maybe even portals at, at different hospitals, um, where you could, you could see people transitioning. Uh, from from this side to the other side. And nursing homes, I get that, where there would be that same transitional point. What other types of businesses have you seen that you would get that kind of activity? Well, let's see. Nursing homes, hospitals. Um, there are situations, I would say, that uh, when people die at home, that causes you know, a haunting also. I mean, that that's your, you know, could be your standard uh, haunting. Um, I believe very strongly, too, that businesses per se, mm-hmm. you know, uh, let's say, you know, Ma, Pa, you know, five and ten store. Okay. They ran that. They were in there 24-7. You know, they took care of it. They dropped dead in there or one of them passed away is a possibility that could be a haunting type situation also. Yes, factories where a lot of people you know over the years especially very old buildings people might have passed away or that was the only place they had any family or any communication with people that can cause hauntings also okay so that's the, the, there's a lot of businesses depending on, on how you look at it or what you start digging into you, you stop and think about it you know you have uh, a person that worked in a factory for 40 years Never had any, you know, no family, never bothered with anybody, only friends or any communication that person had was at work. I mean, you'd be surprised on stories like that. There's quite a few of them out there. So thus, you know, you're going to definitely have those types of things. Rectories, convents, you know, these types of places, they have a tremendous, tremendous amount of activity. It would seem pretty sad to me to put in your like let's say you put in forty years at a factory and then you end up there at the afterlife. That that to me it just seems like torture, doesn't it to you? Isn't it crazy? How many I I can't tell you how many uh, times I've talked to different people, you know, in the high rises that work in these office complexes and their friend in the cubicle next to them passed away and for days and weeks afterwards the computer will turn on or you know activity will go on in, in the cubicle and it freaks the people out 
And it's like, why would they want to haunt this place? They used to scream and holler. They hated it. They were probably most happy there. You know, believe it or not. And just weird the way certain things go and the way certain things happen. I can see it. I could see a radio station because I've had a I had one former colleague that showed up at the old radio station I worked at to pass on a mm-hmm. message to me. It happened when when we had a psychic on the show. That was back in two thousand six or seven, and I did pass a message on to him or to his wife. Yeah. Um, but that I I would tend to want to think that that was a temporary stop that he didn't want to hang around because that station's no longer in that building. God forbid he's still in that building <laughs> because that was just an office building, John. I wouldn't want him to still be there. That would be horrible. Um, but in uh, and, and stores, I can see now. Now stores are kind of fun places. I mean, I could I could go with retail therapy. In fact, we have an antique store and said that his his antique store in Pennsylvania was haunted. And oh yeah, I yeah I I think with. Uh I think there, there is a, uh, again, look, cause a lot of people freak out over all that. And, you know, they collect the antiques and everything, and they'll tell me, I've never had any activity. I go, I don't think most antiques are haunted. I really no, don't. No. But again, you have those circumstances, especially. I don't know anybody that hasn't gone into antique store or an antique mall, you know, and say, oh, it feels so heavy, or I feel like there's something around. Yeah, with thousands of items in there, you're going to pick up on something, and mm-hmm. something is going to cause some type of you know activity to occur in those places. So that doesn't surprise me, but it doesn't mean everything within that antique mall is haunted. Right, right. Let me ask you this, as, as we're beginning to wrap up here today, John, and again, folks, the book is Walking Between the Realms. It's written by John Zaffis, Reverend Larry, and Debbie Elward. Uh, we have a link to it in the description of this program. Um. There are times when we run into hauntings that are or aren't what they appear to be. There's a story in the in the book having to do with it's called the werewolf, but it's actually a haunting having to do with someone in a mask or a spirit that appears to be something that it's not. How often do you run into a spirit that appears to be something that it's not? And how do you kind of uncover that that puzzle? How do you take that puzzle apart? Uh, you perceive, okay, this happens a lot more often uh, where something can disguise itself, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, um, how many times uh, you'll always hear, too, that little children's spirits. Well, that, that affects all of us. And we're more accepting of a child's spirit being around us than we would anything else. But you have to keep your guard up because it might be something disguising itself. Yeah. Thus, you know, again, being careful with the dynamics and realizing something could happen. Okay, good example, Tim, is like, you know, when the communications take place with my uncle and everything. Do I still keep my guard up? Scared, not scared, but cautious that something might be trying to trick me. Absolutely, you have to, because you just never know. So thus, you know, uh, with having, you know, uh, the false identity and masked by something else can happen. And it happens a lot more often than people realize. Is there a, is there like a safe word or something that you have in order to keep that identity pure? Like just, I don't expect you to say it or anything, John, but uh, you know, is there a way that you, you know if it's pure or not, but 
on your no, end? No, uh, again, um, in your investigating mode or being involved with cases, you take your time mm-hmm. and you just say, okay, something's not adding up right. Now, if you are going strictly from a uh, perspective of religion or anything, you could do with what we're basically would call provoking or, you know, checking to see exactly whether you're dealing with something on a negative level or, you know, mm-hmm. on a positive level. So there, there's a few ways to check to see if there's something occurring and happening that's just not sitting right. Okay. One of the things I like about the book is in the back, you know, people have some pretty standard questions. Uh, they have a standard questions about demonology, which you've answered in the back of this book. Uh, there's standard questions also for, uh, for Reverend Larry about exorcisms, which he's answered. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Debbie has some questions about some psychic questions, which she's answered, which are uh, general questions, which we all have the, the basic questions that we ask, which I'm not asking you here. Um, I'm leaving that for, for them. Um, and, and there's really some, some really cool things in this book that, that, again, I'm encouraging people to go out and get the book so that they can check this out for themselves. Um, there, like I said, there are some, there are some mentions of, and, and pictures and, and descriptions of some of the haunted things or haunted artifacts that are in the museum. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, one of the more powerful ones, John, is the nine 11 cross. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, that again, Tim is, you know, a, again, I'm one of those types of people. Everything happens for a purpose and a reason. Mm-hmm. Nothing is coincidental in our lives. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Way back when everything happened, we're only 45 minutes away. We were out in Long Island doing an investigation. We were coming back. Everybody wanted to stop. So I finally agreed because I lost a lot of friends in there. And I was actually working with a person that was up on the higher levels oh, wow. with the case at that time. But uh, um so we all stopped, and the only thing I was interested in was taking a picture of the memorial in the background, mm-hmm. and it was that cross-section thing that they had up before they put the buildings and everything up. So, you know, I didn't think too much of it. And uh, a few years later, a uh, gentleman is going back and forth with another mutual friend and everything, and uh, his partner had a business up on one of the upper levels that was killed, and I didn't know, you know, back in... The time framing, all the uh, spouses and everything were presented with pieces of metal from the building. Mm -hmm. And the piece of metal he had received was in the shape of a cross. So, you know, he brought it home. He, you know, had put it downstairs. And he felt that every time he went down into the basement of their home together, that he would hear people screaming and yelling. And he felt like something was so seriously attached to it. And he felt bad. He didn't know what to do. He said, Johnny, I'd like you to take it. Please just put it in the museum, but promise me one thing. And I go, what's that? He goes, you will never sell that. I go, I would never even think of selling something like that. I said that, you know, again, goes against a lot of the ways I look at things and the way I handle stuff. So that to me was verification here. I took a picture of that memorial cross that was up there many years ago and then several years went by and i actually got a piece that looks just like it so again was there a reasoning for it i don't know tim but it's always weird the way things line up 
It is. And, and you know, it's, I mean, it's a powerful piece, not just a powerful piece, but if, if there is, you know, we talk about a, a scar in the earth and, and when we talk about residual hauntings, how, I mean, you, you've been to Gettysburg many, many times and you know yes. what a residual scar in the earth that entire area is. But to think about what a residual scar in the earth, that area of New York is, but to have a piece of that um, in your home is is amazing. But if there's any piece of that earth that could, you would almost hope that that piece of earth could find some sort of peace at one time or another. I know we've built towers over it, hoping that that could happen. But I, I will ask you this question, and, and I, I hope to God there's a good answer for this, but maybe you can answer it. Maybe, maybe we could only hope that there would be. Is there any amount of holy water or prayers that could put peace to a residual scar like that, that you could eventually settle the land down from that amount of no. energy? No. I, I, my opinion, no. That, that, that again, I, I have not been down to that piece of property since I took that picture. I have no interest in it. Um, I always personally felt that they should have just filled it in, planted trees there, turned it into a little park. I mean, I understand you. It's very valuable real estate. Yeah. You know, again, but that that's me. That's the way I look at it. And on a flip end of it, even a priest friend of mine, uh, we were talking at one point in time, he go, but John, what better way to honor people, but to fight back and put the buildings up, and we do have the memorials and everything on the property. And I go, all right, Padre, you got a point. I will meet you halfway on that one. And again, uh, it depends on the way people look at things and the way they handle things. Me, like I said, personally, I don't have any interest in even going anywhere near that. But, you know, a lot of people don't even realize the, the city is so freaking haunted. There's yeah. so much, so many of those buildings down there that, you know, e even before 9-11 and even now that just have so much activity and the history that is tied in with them is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Oh, I bet. New York City. Uh, uh, I, I mean, you think of back to its very beginning roots to now and, and how much is built on top of built on top of built and then the amount of souls yeah. who have passed. I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's just got to be. If you if you put us, I can't imagine a sensitive walking in there and then trying to shield themselves and walk through New York City. I've got to think that's just be maddening. I think that's one of the biggest reasons a lot of people that are sensitive do not like to go into those type of environments. And what I mean by that, I hear a lot of times a lot of the sensitive psychics don't like to you know New York City. They don't like Boston. They don't like L.A. They don't like going in. To those heavy congested type environments because it affects them. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, and to uh, kind of close up today, in the back of the book, uh, one of the things that a lot of people ask me, and and you know, there's a couple of things, and I, I've got to tip my hat to uh, to both Debbie and to Reverend Larry. In a couple of spots in the in the book, there are mentions of not only prayers of protections, but just prayers that Reverend Larry says while on investigation. That, that keep all of you protected. But in the back of yeah. the book, there are useful prayers for protection. I can't tell you how many times, John, how many times people will say to me, Tim, what can I say? What can I say if I feel like I'm under attack? Or what can I say when I feel like I don't feel like I'm safe? 
And there are those prayers of protection in the back of this book. So from a Christian perspective, you know, again, the tools are, you know, right there. They, some of the, that was the biggest reasoning for throwing a few of them in there. But I tell people, no matter what your belief system is, call in on the positive side of that. Yeah. That helps to protect us. And I'm a very firm believer that, you know, uh, Again, the light will always outweigh the dark, mm-hmm. no matter what. Could be a struggle in between, which we call the gray, but I think good will always outweigh evil. I, I believe very strongly in that. Very much so. Um, I got one last question for you, and that's this. Um, I've had Nathaniel Gillis on now a few times on the show, and he's had a very interesting theory, and I want to throw it your way. Uh, he had... Uh, an interaction or has had interactions with what he would say, he he doesn't qualify it as demons or aliens. He thinks they may be one and the same. Now, I want to throw that in into your ballpark, and I want your opinion on it. Do you believe that, because it's been reported that if you throw the name of Jesus Christ out to a, 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 an alien, it will repel it? Um, do you believe well, that again? Um, I, I stay very open minded, Tim, with everything. There's a lot of things that we don't really understand, we really don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't rule out the possibilities of other life form, I can't, um, especially in light with all the information coming to the forefront. You know, that, that's uh, uh, been hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I look at stuff very open-mindedly because there's so many things that we have questions too. It's just like people that have, uh, you know, uh, what they believe is uh, an encounter with an alien and you deal with a person that could have an encounter, what we call a demon, the similarities could be almost identical. Well, the... the- so, the the parallel he draws between incubi and succubi and an alien abduction is alarming. I mean, just the it's very very similar. Yeah. Again, um, with with a lot of those things, you know, a clear cut defined uh, situation, if you will, as you're trying to understand this and come to grips in terms with a lot of these different things. It's difficult to be able to rule out whether there's other existences or there isn't. Again, you know, what I find fascinating is that someone that uh, feels, you know, they've been probed by an alien. These people, you know, uh, I'll hear other people say, well, that's because the demon, you know, is incubi or succubi. And I go, but these aren't even religious people we're talking about. Right. So therefore... How can you can come to that conclusion? You can't. But like I said, we just have to keep an open mind with trying to comprehend and understand some of that. Right. Um, I want to throw just one what if here to you, and that's this. If someone were to come to you and say, John, I don't know if I've had an alien abduction experience or a demonic experience with succubi, how do you tell them the difference between in your experience? One of the key things that I do with something like that, Tim, is I give them my theory 
Mm-hmm. And my suggestions from my end, and I will definitely tell them to contact somebody within the UFO, you know, sector, talk to them and, you know, uh, get the information they need from them to kind of decide what they feel okay. is happening. Take that information and, you know, uh, weigh the differences. And then again, too, it could depend on whether the person is a... Uh, a person that is a spiritual person in belief or a non-belief person. So it's a difficult thing, but I always find it best to give them that option and tell them to research and dig in even farther. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Name of the book is Walking Between the Realms. Our guest, John Zaffis, is one of the co-authors, along with Reverend Larry and Debbie Elward. We have a link in the description of this program. John, I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, thanks for having me on, buddy. Thank you. I want to thank John Zaffis for being on the program today. Again, absolutely my pleasure to have John on the program today. And again, to, to sit in with us, to share some of his knowledge with us, to go through all those years of experience uh, talking about the paranormal and what he's forgotten about the paranormal. Most of us don't know about the paranormal, uh, but to, to have... That skill set with us today has been our absolute pleasure and honor. So thank you, John, for for being with us once again here on this program. Folks, I can't tell you again how much it is my pleasure to have you with us uh, on a week-to-week basis. And yes, that's my smoke detector that's finally decided to uh, make an appearance here on the show. (laughs) I don't know why now, (laughs) but it it is. Um, It's decided the battery's going to give up the ghost, so forgive me here as we wrap up the program and it decides to make a cameo. Um, uh, Again, uh, folks, I thank you so much for joining us uh, here week after week on the program and continuing to be such great listeners and patrons of the program. I also want to remind you to be sure to visit our sponsors. Our sponsors put their money where their mouth is and help make this program free for all of us. Uh, And again, without these sponsors, uh, I don't know where we'd be with the program. So again, make sure that you patronize our sponsors. Our sponsor for this week is Factor Meals. Stick to your wellness goals with premium ready-to-eat meals from Factor. They are delicious meals, by the way, and they make incredible smoothies. If you haven't tried those as well, head to factormeals.com slash darkness50. Use that code darkness50 at checkout. Get 50% off your order. Try them today. They're great meals, by the way. Check them out. Uh, also, folks, the weekend, the last blast of summer, that GD smoke detector. I'm going to get that battery fixed before Tuesday. Next Tuesday, I'll tell you that. Uh, so I don't, nothing horrible happens to me here in my studio. Be sure to check your smoke detectors this weekend, by the way, too. A little tip from me to you. Um, this weekend, uh, last blast of summer, we have Labor Day coming up. Uh, the long weekend coming up. Make sure that uh, you take a little time out for yourself. I'm going to hit the Minnesota State Fair, the Great Minnesota Get-Together. I don't know why anybody in this market can't say the slogan. It's easy. The Great Minnesota Get-Together. They call it the Great Get-Together of Minnesota. They call it all kinds of different things. It's the Great Minnesota Get-Together. It's real easy to say, folks. G-M-G-T. I don't know why our media can't get it straight. I don't know. It's because if I've lived here all my life, they can't get it straight. I'm going to go check that out this weekend. Have a little fun. But again, because we've got such hot weather blowing through the nation, it's an unusual weather pattern. Uh, make sure you check in on your neighbors this weekend, especially the elderly and the infirm. 
uh, we've only got a couple more weekends of this hot weather, and then we can get down to having some fall fun. So um, just make sure that those neighbors and, and relatives are safe, especially the elderly and infirm. Uh, appreciate it. Your, your friends here at Darkness Radio appreciate you for that. Bruiser is off next week. He is headed to New Orleans for a little bit of R&R with the family. It's a little bit of a working vacation, though. He's going to take some haunted trips with the family, and he'll report in the week after and let us know a little bit about what he did in haunted New Orleans. So that'll be fun. In the meantime, Mally Fox will be in next week, and I'm looking forward to that. So we'll see Ms. Mally Fox next week. So that'll be fun. So for Beer City Bruiser, for Mally Fox, for Jessica Freeberg, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for continuing to be a great listener of this program. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will see you next week on the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. Darkness Radio.